Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. Now, unfortunately, we've had some technical difficulties this morning and we'll be unable to bring you the first half of The Breakfast Show today. But in the meantime, we'd like to share with you some of the new shows we have airing on Faith FM, starting with Time in the Word with Pastor Daniel Mateo, coming to you from Tasmania. Hi, I'm Daniel, and you're listening to Time in the Word on Faith FM. Today I'm here with Shalia, and we're at the Seventh Adventist Big Camp in Devonport, Tasmania. How are you going today, Shalia? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you, Daniel? I'm pretty good. Yeah, really excited to be studying God's Word with you. Would you like to uh, open with prayer for us? Yep, I can do that. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you have given us the blessing of your Word and these stories that help us to get to know you and get to know your intentions toward us that are full of love and are full of hope for our future and longing to have a relationship with us. Please send your Holy Spirit to open um, our minds to what you have to say to us in your word. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. That was beautiful. Today we're going to be studying Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. And I'm just wondering if you'd please be able to read the first couple of verses. Will you do that? Yep, no worries. I'm reading from the New King James Version today and Matthew 15, starting from verse 21, says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Wow. Around Tyre and Sidon, I know that those areas, there was a lot of problems with the Israelites in the history of the Old Testament and so forth. It says she was a Gentile, and mine has a little thing that points me to the margin here, and I'm just looking down and it says that she was a Canaanite. She comes to him and says, have mercy on me, son of David, and she calls him Lord. I wonder what sort of woman this must have been. Whenever I think of the Canaanites, I like reading books that people, you know, they write novels about people from the Bible and they pull out as many facts as they can and then they flesh it out into a story. Maybe I don't have much imagination for myself and I use theirs to make these stories come alive and I really enjoy that. But whenever I think of that, I think, you know, the Canaanites were a really brutish, brutal, bloodthirsty people, you know, unspeakable, atrocious acts sacrificing their children and things like that were everyday occurrences in their culture and yet something about this woman obviously values the life of her daughter and recognizes that this man that she obviously must know something about has power over her daughter's problem. Thanks for bringing that out because that really adds context to it doesn't it? I know that David, and she actually calls him, O Lord, son of David, David was involved in fighting against some of these Canaanites as well. So there's some cultural history there. I just wonder if this woman had to swallow any pride to come to this Jew and to cry out to him for help. What do you think? There's certainly a lot of background there that you would think makes them enemies from a historical point of view. And his culture of love and acceptance is very different to her culture of being exclusive within their culture and the kind of practices they did, what he upholds as against all of her culture. 
And as we go and read this passage, we're going to see that Jesus does something that's just a little bit out of character, but I believe actually shows his love pretty amazing. But I'll just point out here a problem, which was that her daughter was possessed by a demon that tormented her severely, mine says. So this is a, this seems to be a very real experience by a supernatural malevolent being that's actually really torturing her, and she finds that whatever gods that she worship. Whatever healers that she's been to can give her no reprieve, and she's thrown herself at the foot of this Jewish rabbi. I'm going to read verse 23 and 24, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all of her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Does this seem a little bit out of character for Jesus to you? He ignored her until his disciples came and said, make her go away, she's annoying. So I suppose you wonder why he ignored her. Yeah, and you know, it's actually going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. Would you like to read 25 and 26? Yep. So reading 15, 25, then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. What do you think he meant by that? I don't know. (laughs) Just reading it, you hope it's not the way it comes across, but it seems to be, and that is that he's actually calling her and her people dogs and that whatever he has to give, whatever he's offering, is only for Jews. But what's interesting is actually the disciples' reaction, and I have a feeling that that's a little bit of a clue as to why Jesus is acting the way that he is, that it's entirely natural for his disciples to say that she needs to leave, get out of here, that she doesn't deserve anything from you. And he seems to be acting in accordance with what his disciples are thinking is right and true and the way to treat this woman that's not of their race. When he responds like this, I can sort of see them nodding along and going, yeah, you're right, you're all a bunch of dogs, you know, you don't get anything that we deserve or that we have to give. But like I said, it's completely out of character for Jesus and completely at odds so far with what we've learned about his teaching. So... It's a bit of a confusing one. And for me, I can see this woman having to come lower and lower. She's had to swallow her pride enough to come to this Jew for help. And then she's been ignored. She's been dissed. She even worships him and pleads with him. And he makes this comment to her that must have been deeply hurtful. Can you just read her response there in verse 27? And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Oh, wow. Would you have been able to say that to somebody that just called you a dog? No, no. It's quite impressive that she had even the foresight not to be so shocked by what he said to be able to come back with that disarming comment. Jesus teaches us the way that God works. You know, Jesus is God. He teaches us the way that God works. And it is true sometimes that the way that God tests us is that he forces us to overcome that deep pride. And I don't think that the things that Jesus said here, that it would be right for any human being to do, and I'm fully against any sort of racism or any sort of racial slur or any sort of prejudice like that. But for Jesus as God to look into a person's heart and test their faith, you know, it's entirely right because he himself is God. And uh, I just love his final response because this is where she passed the test. And he goes on to give her the greatest compliment, a greater compliment that he gives to anyone else in the scripture, including all of the Jews that he comes across, any of the Pharisees far and away, any of the religious leaders, and even his disciples don't get a compliment like this ever throughout Jesus' ministry. And that is in verse 28. And Jesus says, Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is so great, your request has been granted. 
and her daughter was instantly healed. Straight away, you can see there the heart of Jesus, what he was longing to say and do all along. He uses this experience as a little bit of a teaching tool, not just for her, but also for the disciples to see that his plan isn't just for them. When he's speaking to them about their faith, it's always things like, are you of little faith? And he turns to her and says, great is your faith. Your request is granted. And we see that Jesus' blessings and his promises, his salvation is for everyone, not just those that are of Abraham's descendants. Anything coming to you or does that say anything about Jesus to you? I think Jesus uses different events in our lives to mould us and shape us. And this this event for this lady, as you were saying, it was humbling her, but it would have also been teaching her that she could be a witness within her own people. She could withstand and stand on her own two feet within the criticism of the Jews at that time. You know, they would have thought of her as, as less than nothing, and yet she was accepted by this man of great power. Uh, and her and her daughter from that would have been able to go and be a witness within their people and to carry on the stories of old when when the Israelites would have been coming into Canaan and, and started this animosity between their people, she is one of those people that can show that he has power even today. Mm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And in actual fact, you know, Moses makes a comment in the book of Deuteronomy and he says, he said to those Israelites that about, he talked about the Canaanites and he said, don't worship their gods because their gods are actually demons. And uh, Paul says something similar. He says, when you go into an idol's temple, those people are worshipping demons, not gods. And it may be that it was part of that Canaanite worship that actually caused the daughter's problem in the first place. And Jesus steps into that situation. And yes, he tests her faith. But when she clings to him and seeks for him, he gives her a complete and total victory over Satan in the life of her and also of her daughter. And it's instantaneous. He doesn't even have to be there. It's just with a word. She's completely delivered. No more torture total freedom from Satan. And I guess that's what he offers to all of us, isn't it? And uh, it just reminds me of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 to 13, some of my favorite verses in the scripture. And it says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, their plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And then you'll call out to me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You will find me when you seek me, if you seek me with all of your heart. Yeah. Anyway, we've come to the end of our time together now, and it's been so cool to study this uh, passage with you, Shalia. Thanks for spending time with me today. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. Would you like to close with prayer for us? Yep, I can do that. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you've given us the word and you've given us the example of this courageous woman who stepped so far out of her culture to just fall at your feet and cling to the hope that you gave her and that you extend to us every day. Help us to have the same faith and the same courage that she did and to accept the promises that you've given us. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Daniel and Shalia and this has been Time in the Word on Faith FM. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, and that right there was a new program called Time in the Word with Pastor Daniel Mateo and Friends, coming to you from Tassie. Now, you can catch Time in the Word on Faith FM at 5 p.m. each Wednesday. As we mentioned earlier, we've had a few technical difficulties this morning. We won't actually be able to bring you the regular breakfast show until 8 a.m. In the meantime, please hold on, because we'd like to keep showing you some of the new programs we have on Faith FM. This next program is the Retire Notes podcast with Bruce and Kim. You're listening to Faith FM.
Welcome to the Retire Notes podcast series about preparing for retirement. I'm Kim Peets and I'm talking to Bruce Manners, the author of Retirement Ready and founder of the RetireNotes.com website. Today I have a feeling we're talking about you know, transitioning. 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 We are talking about transitioning because in life there are various times when you transition. Obviously, retirement is one, you know, where you start out as a baby and you transition into a child and then you become a teenager. Mm. Um, You get to school. That's another transition. Transition. You get to the end of school, you get a job, go to the university, whatever, all transitions. Um, And most of these transitions are just kind of natural. Mm. Retirement is kind of natural, but you need to prepare for it a bit. Yeah, it's a little bit different and it's intentional. It's saying, I choose to stop or I choose to change. I choose to change. And and, and the big difference is that you've now been working for 40 years, Mm. Mm. some maybe 50. Mm. It's a fair time to get into some kind of routine and then say, okay, I'm going to change now. That transition can be really, really difficult. Mm. Um, so, so what about people that don't transition out of work completely? What if they say my transition is actually just reducing work? Or yeah, yeah, mm. that, that that could be one way of going. I mean, some people should not stop working. Yeah, because yeah, that, we've kind of talked on this quite a few times that actually have, retirement, yes. the definition of retirement is not that you just stop everything. It's actually mm. changing. It's just an intentional change. What does that look like for you? Yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and if you decide to leave work. Good, good mm. for you. Mm. But then you have to say, now, what do I do? Mm. You know, this involves some planning and so mm. on. But if you're staying on at work, you may decide, well, and you need to work out this with your boss, of course. <laughs> yeah. You may say, well, okay, uh, I'm going to drop a couple of days a week. Mm. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of transitioning. Mm. Eventually, I assume that person will say, no, nope, that's enough. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. And so there is a transition if you can uh, work it that way. Mm. Um, but if you want to keep working, please do. Yeah. Please do. Well, that's now, it. I think I think what I like about the whole retirement concept is that it's really your choice. Like you can choose to keep working full time if you sure. want to, drop sure. back a few hours or completely dump the whole work and say, right now, what do I really love? And now I'm going to do that. I like my job, but I'm ready to yeah. give that the flick. Yep. That's yeah. it. That's it. And, and we're, we're finding statistics this week I caught up with coming from the States says that um, 65 year olds are now staying in work. Mm. You know, there's, mm. there's, there's, the figure has jumped up quite dramatically in the past couple of years with yeah. the 65-year-olds who say, no, we're going to keep, keep on working. Yeah. Might only be for another year or whatever. Yeah, but they're enjoying that sort of transition. Well, I'm not sure they're enjoying it, but they're saying, I need the money. I need the, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is maybe they motivation. haven't got the yeah. plan in place, but this is what they're yeah. doing. Okay, fair yeah. enough. And by the way, if you're tiring of your work, the transition will be easier, of course, yeah. because you want to get away from it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If, you, if you're yeah. not enjoying it, that is. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do then? So, so we're okay. trying to transition. What does that look like? Okay. Well, the first thing to do is, what, what are your plans? Hmm. Uh, are they realistic plans? Mm. You know, you may want to uh, go on a holiday in Europe. And that be every, the clincher. That could be the clincher. <laughs> but if your plan is, I want to do this every year, mm. you know, for three months, whatever, um, you may actually find that you don't have the finances for that. Mm. You know, that costs a fair bit of money. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you need to know your finances. Mm. What's happening there? Mm. I, I know I rabbit on about getting a financial advisor. Uh, and, I think yeah. there might be a point in rabbiting on about the <laughs> yes. financial. Maybe it's a good reason. <laughs> yeah, but you, you need to understand where your finances are at, so you mm. can say, okay, in retirement, 
Europe every year for three months is not going to happen. I'll do oh, something. I'm sorry, here. it is going to happen in my in my future. That's that's sure, what I'm good, so imagining. Good. But you're saying I need to be realistic. You need to be realistic. I need to be realistic. Yes, okay, yes, no, that's yes. fair enough. That's yeah. fair enough. And, and and as you mentioned about people slowing down with work, is is that part of the transition? Mm. So you you are changing, mm. um, doing it a bit slowly, not mm. so cutthroat. Yes, yes. Um, okay. I mean, we we in the past we have looked at retirement as saying. You know, I get to a certain age. Yep, 65 on my yep. birthday. Stop. That's Stop. it. No yep. more. No now more. I'm going to watch TV for the next 25 yes. years. Yes, yes. And actually, both those things were quite real a decade or so ago. Um, well, I'm thinking of my grandparents who, yes. you know, passed on now, but that's yes. what retirement looked like for them. Exactly. They exactly. didn't really... They didn't really transition. It just was, that's it, retirement and no real plans for the future. Yeah, yeah. Just less money, I think. Less money, yeah. no real plans and a lot of television. And a lot of TV, scarily a lot of TV. I wonder how many days of our lives you could watch in 20 years. Oh, you might be able to catch up. That'd be... You've got to catch up. <laughs> oh, I digress. And, 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 and look, one, one of the things you could do is actually practice retirement. Mm. You know, oh, if, practice. If, practice retirement. Uh, if you have long service leave in your job, hmm. take a month, but don't go anywhere. Just stay at home. Just stay at don't home. Do, don't do a trip. Don't do anything different. No. Ooh. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, and if you're married, you have to get used to each other being at home together. Ooh, that could be hard. Yes, <laughs> could be. <laughs> and, hard for you? And, and let me, let me, <laughs> let me say... There are difficulties with it because you're not used to it. Yes, because, well, the reality is most people have a day job to go to. They, they have breakfast yes. together. They yes. go off and spend the best hours of their life doing something else. Then they come home and then it's dinner and the yep. normal routine. That's true. That's a long time together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, um, the, the, there's this joke about, yes, I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch. <laughs> And when you retire, you're at lunch every day. That's you know? it, every meal together. Yes. Oh, it's, it's sounding suddenly very overwhelming, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know I'm even starting to learn to cook. Ah. Yes. That could so be one of the sharing, the sharing the things, <laughs> that, that takes part of it. And what about like, you know, what if people have got other interests like hobbies or? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's a good thing to actually start working on these hobbies and seeing if they are what you want to do in mm. retirement. Um, mm. Start working on them a bit before. I mean, uh, if you're a photographer, do a bit of a class or something and say, hey, you know, I, I could really get interested into this. What, what, how could I get better at this? Mm. Um, hobbies are good things because you do take them with you yes. into yep. retirement. Yep. Now, nothing wrong with starting a hobby in retirement. Or even maybe, you know, that thing I've always dreamed of doing. Now's yes. my chance to do that thing I've always dreamed of yes, doing. Yes, And, and there's, there's another issue, you know, if you wanted to um, walk the Great Wall of China or something mm. and you've got a, a dicky knee, um, mm. that might not be a thing you can do in retirement. So if you've got that, that as that a dream. It's thing, isn't it? Yeah, the, the re- be real, reality. be real. Yeah. You might want to do that before retirement so mm. you can actually achieve it mm. because your knee's not going to get better. Well, an operation may fix it, you know. <laughs> but then an operated knee may not be able to do what... You're hoping to do what you're imagining to do. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Yeah, (laughs) I do. I I think I am. So do your homework. Do your homework. um, Be realistic uh, and have some plans in place. Where where are you going to live? 
Yeah. Well, that's all right. And we've, we've touched we've on this one a couple about of that, times. But, yeah. but that, that needs discussion. It, it needs... Uh, like, t- even if you're going to stay in the same house or if you're going to move to Brisbane, which which yeah. in if you've been listening to podcasts earlier yes. than this, you will know that's probably not a great idea. But <laughs> but it could be for you. But it could be for you. It could <laughs> yes, be for you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You don't take anything out of the equation, mm. but you test drive it. And, yeah. you know, we've talked about... Go live there for uh, three months mm. and uh, see what happens. Yeah. See if you really do like it. Yeah. yeah. And if the weather's not too hot. Yeah. 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 What about as a couple? Oh, yes. Look like? Talk. Talk. Talk to each Talk. other. Do not assume. <laughs> do not assume. <laughs> no. We do a lot of that now. Relationships, I think. I think that happens. I mm. do think that happens. But this is a major, major transition, a major mm. change in life. And mm. uh, couples need to talk about it, you know. The, the husband, wife, they need to say, this is my dream, this is my dream. And, yeah. and does, that, does that fit? What, what are they going to do together? Mm. And the reality is, and this is something we need to think about, like mm. some of the assumptions that we do make when we talk about retirement is that everyone's the same age and they're retiring at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my husband's a little bit older than me. He's mm-hmm. thinking about retirement probably a lot more than I am. So what does that older. look like? Yeah, because he's yeah. older. He's saying, oh, well, that's not far away for me. But for me, I'm thinking, oh, I've got a little way to go. Yeah. So what does that look like? And I think that's probably more important to talk about as well. Like, it is. Just as important it is. to talk about. It is. Some statistics say only 20% of couples retire together. Mm. Now, mm. that's 80% of couples uh, have to negotiate this. Yeah. And, and I think this is, a, this is a reality that we have to think about. And yeah. And, and it, it's, it's a good reality to talk through because, I mean, it goes from who puts the garbage out. Mm. All those day-to-day jobs. All the day-to-day jobs. Yeah. But, um, um, you know, if your husband is at home and you're still working, mm. does he cook some meals, mm. you know? What, what would be your desire? What, what's he want yeah. to do? Uh, how do you work those things through? That's it. That's um, it. And, and, and what do you want to do together? Mm. What do you want to do separately? Mm. Um, you know, at our house, um, Sundays and Wednesdays are our days. We do things together. Though, so it doesn't That's, mean to say we don't do yeah. things that are separate. Yeah. But they're the days that are left for us to do things together. Yeah, um, So that was something that we worked out Yeah, you're saying, oh, in let's be intentional. Let's not go off and do our own little hobbies. We still need to do stuff together. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Very good. And what if you are not in a relationship? Here's another little thought. It is. That's, and, and that's highly likely. Yes, yes, there are. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, divorce, death, I mean, they're mm. parts, of, parts of life. Yeah. And uh, there, will be, there will be singles who will have to work out what they're going to do, where mm. will they live, and all mm. those. They have to work out the same things. Yes. But don't need to talk about it probably as much with another no. person. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't, don't need to go to your neighbour yeah. and talk about it. But, yeah. but they probably, in a way, need someone else to talk to outside of that yeah. relation. Like, yeah. you know, they're not yeah. in relationships. So what do they do? That's yeah. different. I, I, think, I think for a single, it's actually good to have a close friend. They can just say, look, this is what I'm thinking. You know me. Yeah. You know, it's good is to go to work? some. <laughs> is yeah. that going to work? Is that going to work? Or am I being unrealistic? Yeah, or? yeah. Yeah, and it's good to stretch yourself with things mm. uh, when you get there because it's it's a transition into something which is really enjoyable in the sense that you are in charge. Yeah, you know, you don't have a boss that's going to tell you what you have to do. That could be a little bit limiting for people because they're probably used to having a boss telling them what to do. Oh, yeah. all of a sudden I have to make my own decisions. That could be a bit trying for some people, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So adjusting. Just think. Look, I, I think one of the things is when you retire, just just do some thing. Well, before mm. you retire, think about what you're going to do after. Let's mm. go that way. That's better. Yeah. Um, what, what are you going to do in the first week? Mm. What are you going to do in the first month? 
Yeah. And that's, what what and about the, the first year? The first month and the first week, you could almost just feel like a holiday, but yes. that holiday is going to keep going. And that could be a little bit more tricky. So the first week and the first month is probably more like just holiday mode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Look, let, let, me, let me just share some stories. Mm. One man, very stressful job. He went to a cabin which only had cooking facilities and a toilet, no television, no nothing, took a stack of books with him, and, and he told the caretaker, look, um, I'll let you know when I want to leave. So and no end date. No end date. No he end just date. said, I'm here. I want to recover from my stressful job. I don't want to be home with my wife because I'm still stressed. I want to de-stress. Uh. And then we're going to uh, enjoy our retirement together. So that was how he handled it. Okay. Um, I like I like that idea, solo venture. It worked for him. Yeah. It worked for him. I hope it was all right with his wife. I hope it worked for her too. <laughs> but, I don't know, but I assume they talked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good assumption. Let's but but assumption. then there was there was another guy. Um, he a fairly stressful job, an executive. Mm. He retired on a Friday. On Monday, he was volunteer taking patients to hospitals. Okay, that, wanted to keep working, wanted, wanted to, keep to do going. something different. Yeah, to keep going, yeah. Didn't want to really take a holiday. Interesting. No, he didn't. Yeah. Now, his job wasn't full-time and yeah. didn't have the same stress. Yeah. But he, he was obviously someone who said, you know what, I, need, I want to do something like in the community. And here yeah. we go. And, and look, there's no judgment on this. Like, whatever works for people. And this is what I like about all these examples. Like, I mean, yeah. I think, oh, gee, that cabin, that sounds pretty good. But I'm thinking, oh, I think I'd like to have a little holiday between retiring and going yeah. and being a volunteer. Yeah. But each to their own, hey. That's right. Well, when I retired, I, I said, look, uh, to Margie, my wife, I said, look, I want to spend a couple of months just getting into a routine mm. um, because mm. I wanted to write, I wanted to do research, and uh, and uh, that's what I ended up doing. Mm. And so I think it was in the third month we went on a holiday then for three weeks. Mm. And I'd, I'd achieved what I wanted, didn't realise how tired I was going to feel. But <laughs> Yeah, we haven't touched on that yet, about how tired you are. Maybe that's we, a whole podcast. We, I think we'll leave that for the podcast. <laughs> but how tired you felt is definitely something that people don't allow for. Yes. How tired they feel. Yes, yeah. yes. And and most people, it seems, do that. Most people I've talked to have mm. given me the same story. So that, that's mm. part of it. need to talk about that yeah. one more yeah. another time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, renovation is a big thing that happens in retirement. Ah. And one fellow told me, he's now in his 80s, he said he didn't know what he's going to do in retirement, but he had a house to, you know, fix up Finish, and whatever. Yeah. And he said that got me into routine. So yeah. It, it, yeah. it's there. It's that there. could be a little bit disconcerting for me because my husband and I reti- uh, renovate a lot. <laughs> so, to think that there's even more in our future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, but look, just to kind of close off here, mm. um, everyone's story is different. Yeah. Okay. You won't live someone else's story, but you'll learn from what they do, what they say, how yeah. they feel. Your retirement is your retirement. Make mm. sure you plan for your retirement and... Uh, Make the plan and make it yours. That's it. Love it. Thanks, Bruce. And remember, you can always go to the retirenotes.com website for more information or you can find or order Retirement Ready at bookshops or on the website. Is what they say I know that if I do I'll be following something I can't know Deceitful and untrue I couldn't love you if I tried I couldn't find a way 
Unless my heart is led by God, I'll only go astray. If we wanna be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two, there's gotta be three cords woven, God and me and you. If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes, only then can we say I love you. God is love, He gives to us a priceless gift that's free. He gave Himself, He gave His all unconditionally. I want to love you like He does, Lord. Give me eyes to see. The only way I can is if You live inside of me. If we want to be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two. There's gotta be three cords woven, God and me and you. If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes, only then can we say I love you. Well, love is kind, love never fails, it ain't boastful, proud or rude. Bears all things, believes all things, rejoices in the truth. And love will never seek her own, love's patient, love endures. And if we want love like that, is what we'll have to do. If we wanna be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two, there's gotta be three cords woven. God and me and you If our hearts burn within us with The fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you Binds us tightly, stronger than the grave. What God has joined together now, let no one separate. This love is forever, yeah, it's for eternity. Cause the wellspring of our love is the one who is and was and will be. And if we want to be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two, there's got to be three cords woven, God and me and you. If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes, only then can we say I love you. 
the love of God is the only love that's true And I love you with a love that's true You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. That right there was Josh Cunningham with a track called Three Chords. Just before that, you were listening to the Retire Notes podcast with Bruce and Kim, which you can catch on Friday evenings at 5pm, you know, just as you're finishing work for the week. Definitely a good time to think about retirement. Now, there's been some technical difficulties here at Faith FM, and we're not able to bring you the regular breakfast show until 8am. But in the meantime, we've been sharing with you some of the new programs we've been airing on Faith FM, Hope you've been enjoying them. If you have any thoughts, comments, feedback, give us a call on 1-800-FAITH-FM or send us an email, info at faithfm.com.au. Now, we're going to go to another song, The Saviour is Waiting by Malvinas, and then you'll be able to catch Adele giving an interview to James Toomey. But who is James Toomey, you ask? Well, you'll have to wait and find out. Don't go anywhere. You're on Faith FM.
back to Faith FM. It's fantastic having you with us this morning. And with us this morning, we've been joined by James Timmy. James, it's wonderful to have you with us. Sorry if I've just butchered your surname, by the way. <laughs> no, that's all. That's right. Absolutely spot on. Oh, perfect. So, James, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, well, thanks, Adele. I'm um, Chief Executive of Mission Australia. Mission Australia is a, a large um, a Christian based or uh, we have a faith founding principle which is um, to meet human need and spread the knowledge of the love of God mm-hmm. we existed for over 150 years in Australia and we um, uh, operate in all states of Australia delivering a range of um, uh, community services and, um, and other services to people in need in Australia So how did you end up in a role like that? Well I started the role in November but I've worked in Mission Australia itself for the last seven years. My background is in social work. I'm a qualified mm-hmm. social worker and I've worked in child protection and also um, with children out of home care uh, and in other uh, roles uh, prior to coming into social work, w- working in the community and, and social sector. Mm. And over a period of a career which extends back probably 25 years now, um, uh, through working in those various different areas of human need, both in the UK and in Australia, um, had a, uh, you know, have developed a, a management career, which has very happily for me brought me to the place where I'm CEO of this wonderful organisation. It's beautiful how things work out like that really in life, isn't it? It is, yeah. Mm. So what kind of strategic plan do you guys have and what drives you in the purpose for that as Mission Australia? <laughs> Uh, well, our, our plan, our, our purpose, as I've said, you know, remains um, uh, you know, meeting human need, mm. spreading the knowledge of the love of God. That's our founding purpose, and we um, we're very proud of that. And that's something which, as a founding purpose for the organisation, we we don't get a choice about whether we um, have that purpose or not. We are able to choose our strategy, obviously, and mm. we're able to choose the things that we do in the way in which we deliver our purpose. Strategically, our our overarching goal is to strengthen communities and reduce homelessness. Mm. Uh, we see that homelessness in particular is uh, um, a major challenge in Australia at the moment. And lots it seems of the to be a growing, growing problem as well. Well, it, it certainly seems to be. And I think it's important to remember that, um, you know, the, the, what, what the general public and what you or I would see if we were walking in the streets of any of our big towns or cities um, uh, of representing homelessness on the street. Those mm. people may be rough sleepers, but rough sleepers only represent about 6% of the homeless population in Australia. There are around about 6,000 rough sleepers in Australia, but there mm. are around about 105,000 homeless people in total. So people who uh, are so you know, sleeping problem. on friends' couches or you right. know, in between That's accommodation right. and things like that. That's right, in between accom- unsuitable accommodation and overcrowding, there are lots of people who, you know, that one of the causes of their um, the unsuitableness of their accommodation is they, uh, you know, large family living in, in uh, you know, very two, tiny houses. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Mm. And so, working to reduce that sort of problem is obviously one of the, you know, the, well, the driving um, goal for Mission Australia. Um, well, that's right. Yeah. Mm. So, what sort of work do you do towards that? Well, we look at the underlying causes of homelessness. So not only do we try to treat homelessness when it emerges, and we work with um, rough sleepers in city, city, cities like Sydney, for example, we also uh, work uh, in, in areas where homelessness is 
emerges from. There are people, people mm-hmm. fleeing, women fleeing domestic violence, are, are, are a rising number of people represented in homelessness. So we actually work in, um, you know, we work in domestic violence services. We operate domestic violence shelters in, in some states. Um, we see young people, um, particularly young people leaving um, public care and people generally leaving institutions, whether those are prisons or hospitals or other institutions, are overrepresented in the homeless this population, homeless population mm-hmm. as well, and we'll, we seek to work in those areas too to um, uh, help people identify and connect with the suitable accommodation when leaving those, um, uh, you know, such institutions and, and placing them in accommodation. Mm. One of the, um, again, growing areas of homelessness is around um, older people, and we have three now aged care facilities all of which are based in, in New South Wales, um, for uh, aged homeless. These are people who may be leaving long-term hospital care or may have been sleeping on streets for many years or for other circumstances have lost the roof over their head and are um, elderly people who uh, otherwise would be homeless if they weren't living in our um, aged care facilities. It's wonderful that you're providing a service like that. I mean, it's, you know, when you're younger, you sort of think, well, I can still work and, you know, get money and income and that kind of thing and be able to hopefully find somewhere to live. But when you're older and retired, it can be very challenging to find something. And you're providing for the really vulnerable people in society, you know, whether they are older or younger, it's just, it's so wonderful that you're able to do that. Um, What kind of things can people do to help Mission Australia in performing this vital service? Um, well, we we, we um, very gratefully accept donations from the general public, and, and and a number of our services, which operate particularly around homelessness or, or working with young people, are actually funded entirely by donations or very largely by donations. So, a great way to support Mission Australia um, is to um, is to donate to us. Either become hop onto our website and um, make a one-off donation, or become a, a regular donor mm. or supporter. Um, we're also later this year, um, and this is a, this is a new departure for us. We're, we're carrying out a sponsored walk, effectively a trek on the Larapinta Trek, which is in Central Australia, to raise funds specifically for a homeless outreach service called Mission Beat, which would operate in the Northern Territory. We have a Mission Beat service in uh, in Sydney and other similar services called Mission Beat or Youth Beat in other states. But we do see a big um, uh, emerging problem of um, disconnected uh, people who are experiencing or at risk of experiencing homelessness in the Northern Territory, and we feel that we could take our service there and that would be um, that would be beneficial. We need to raise mm-hmm. money to do that. So we're doing the trek to do that. I'm doing the trek, and my wife is joining me on the trek, and we're both having a bit of a competition at the moment. So you can <laughs> so raise you can... the most money, and I'm losing. Nice. Actually, oh, no. <laughs> I, I handed, uh, I handed all my friends, all our family friends and family over to my wife and said, "You can go and raise money from them, and I'll leave them all alone, and I'll try and raise money from other people." And she's been much more successful than I am at the moment. But that's, <laughs> that's a nice problem to have, though. <laughs> so, how long is the trek, and when is it happening? Uh, well, we're doing sixty kilometres, the, the, uh, and it's happening between the fourth and the tenth of June. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and it's still it's still possible for people to join the team to go onto the um, if you Google uh, Mission Australia Trek or go onto the Mission Australia website, 
that's possible to actually join the team and do the trek. We're oh, still cool. um, we're very happy to have mm. people join us. Um, but if people are unable to join, you can still sponsor. Very happy um, to mm. have a to have a sponsorship. Yeah. Mm. And so all of that money will go into providing resources and training and everything like that for people who are facing the problem of homelessness in the Northern Territory. That's right. Um, the it's important to note that the the costs of actually doing the trek and it's expensive um, uh, are met by the by the person you know being sponsored. So uh, all of the money, therefore, that's donated does we will be able to direct direct that completely into the service and developing a service opportunity there in, in the Northern Territory. Yeah. Oh, that's really exciting. And it's good to see that the money and that sort of, you know, full amount goes back into providing that essential service. What sort of things do people find that they, what, what sort of things do you provide to people who are in need? I'm just sort of thinking of, you know, typical, typical example is there, you know, not just the housing side of things, but is there some education you can provide people or ways to connect them with work opportunities or things like that? Oh, yes, uh, there are. I mean, uh, obviously the... Um as an organisation, we about we have about two and a half thousand employees and about the same number of volunteers. Volunteers um, offer their time, anything from a day, every few weeks to um, uh, you know services which are uh, very reliant on volunteers actually you know providing the service on a day to day basis. There are a number mm. of different ways in which people can volunteer and give their time to the organisation. I recognise. That um, you know, not everybody has money to spare, but some people have time and knowledge and skill. And mm. I, I think it's important to reflect that um, you know we have a lot of um, we have a lot of skilled volunteers with a great deal of experience and knowledge, and we train people as well. Um, and that's always very gratefully received. And in fact, our um, you know some of the new opportunities, particularly around these sort of homeless outreach services. Um, we are looking at ways in which we can engage volunteers to support the delivery of those, mm. um, whilst obviously we would have um, professional staff uh, working uh, in them as well. Um, other ways that people, so that's a very good way that people can support, so donations, mm-hmm. giving you know, people giving time. There, um, There is information on our website uh, if people want to understand more about homelessness. Um, there are publications that we have uh, ourselves put together in relation to homelessness in Australia um, and some of the challenges around um, housing affordability um, uh, and there are various other publications information available on, on the website. If you Google, Google homelessness in Australia and um, you know, I've done it lately, but Wikipedia has got you know, some good the stats that are publicly available from the Australian Bureau of Statistics are there available for people to have a look at. Mm. So when it comes to sharing the love of God with people who you encounter through the work that Mission Australia does, do you find that people have a good response to that? Um, it, it's very obviously very personal for people. We, mm. as an organisation, we, we have a chaplaincy and the chaplaincy team is there um, principally to work with our, within our staff group and provide pastoral care and support to our staff group, but is also available to any of our um, clients or recipients of any of our services who who express an interest in engaging with um, with chaplaincy, we've had some incredible stories of um, people moving into uh, some of our temporary accommodation homelessness services who have used that opportunity to, whilst reflecting on their lives, to say, uh, I, I, you know, I, I had a relationship 
I had a faith relationship. I had a relationship with God in the past. I haven't got it at the moment. I need to, I'd like to try and rediscover that. Who can I talk to? And we have opportunities where, for example, an informal, what we call coffee with the chaplain. So mm-hmm. uh, people can then choose to go um, and engage uh, and hear. Um, some people literally will just go and, and listen um, mm-hmm. uh, and others will engage more fully. What we are very conscious of, and I, I think this is very much the way that I feel about um, my own personal, uh, you know, the, the sort of manifestations of of me living out my faith is it's it's actually what we do, it's how we do what we do, which is important, and we do it mm. in a way which invites um, a possibility that someone would say to us, "Why do you do what you do?" And then we can talk about what we do. Uh, if we lead, um, you know, if you if you if you step into someone's life, in my experience, and um, you don't lead with listening to the person and you lead with telling the person, then you don't necessarily get a second chance to talk to them. That's very true. Uh, hearing mm. people first and then having an opportunity to tell your story is the sequence that I find works and that we find works. Mm. Um, and I think, um, you know, there are parts, particularly in the, in the, in the book of James, it talks about, um, you know, faith without works is meaningless. And I think Mission Australia is, we're really about works and Mission mm. Australia works and faith together and not just words on their own. Yeah, I guess it's where, you know, the you'd say the rubber meets the road kind of faith. You know, it's mm. the practical, everyday, useful manifestation of the belief you have in God and God's love for you as well. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Just as we're wrapping up in our last minute or so here, um, one thing I really liked about the... Um, core values that you have at Mission Australia is that, you know, you, you're not just encouraging people to overcome challenges they face, no matter how hard they are, but you've got to focus on celebrating achievements and celebrating mm. celebration. Can you tell us a little mm. bit more about that just quickly? That's a really good point. And the fact that, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's great to be able to reflect on that. And it's a conversation we often have with people when they're in the interview process and they come to the organization and they'll understand this value. Well, tell us about celebration. They think we're going to be going having you know, parties every Friday. <laughs> it's actually um, about celebrating with and for clients and our successes as clients. And that inevitably involves celebrating with teams and with our uh, you know staff and colleagues as well. Mm. But, you know, okay, you know not, not unusually... Um, people that we work with have come from very, very challenging circumstances and experiences have may, may not have had celebrations in their lives. So they're, they're on, on one level, um, we, in our aged care facility, I talked about our aged care facility, mm. we had a gift drive for our residents and every all of those residents got a Christmas present this year and I sent them all a Christmas card and I had a couple of um, responses from people saying, this is, you know, this is the first Christmas they've ever celebrated. And they're living in an aged care facility and it was the first time they'd celebrated Christmas. So celebration is, is around those those big kind of marquee times of the year, important times of the year. Christmas obviously is a big one. Mm. But also celebrating the tiny, what we, what you or I might see as, as tiny achievements in people's lives, but which to them are very, very significant. And actually marking those and identifying those and recognizing those as being worthy of a celebration. Mm. I think and it's a, about... Yeah. Sorry, go. No, it's like, well, setting a permission in the organization to say, you know, we, we, we can be happy for and with people and it's important to do that, to celebrate for them and with them. 
That's a beautiful reminder. And I think, you know, when you look at the life of Christ, he was very much about celebrating people as well and celebrating the best in life. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, James. It was wonderful talking to you. And if you'd like to know more about Mission Australia, we would pop up a link to the Mission Australia website on the Faith FM Facebook page this morning. You're listening to Faith FM. Stick around. We've got plenty more great content coming up just after this. and you know what I think there's actually a couple of other frequencies in a a few very special locations around the country that people listen to Faith FM on you're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning Thursday the 22nd of February hey hope you've been really enjoying it we've been making the best of a slightly difficult situation we've had a few technical difficulties this morning in actually getting The Breakfast Show to you But in just a few minutes' time, we're going to be able to switch you over to Lyle and Christopher in our Newcastle studio to bring you The Breakfast Show. I hope you've really been enjoying the couple of different programs we've been sharing with you. Uh, First up, we started with Time in the Word with Pastor Daniel Mateo. Just remember you can catch that on Wednesdays at 5pm. And you also heard the Reply Notes podcast program with Bruce and Kim. And again, you can catch that at 5 p.m. on Friday. So Wednesday and Friday, a lot of the new programs we play are all at 5 p.m. during the week. Tune in to Faith FM at 5 p.m. during the week, weekends, whenever it is, on your drive home. And yeah, catch some of the new content we're airing. We'd love to get your feedback on it if you enjoyed it or if you have any thoughts or suggestions. We're always looking to bring you positive, uplifting Christian radio. Now, this morning, Lyle and Christopher have been having a chat about a rather interesting topic that pops up all the time in the Bible, and there's all sorts of interesting ethical questions, both today and thousands of years ago when it was happening in the Bible, about animal sacrifice. I mean, let's hope we don't get um, the PETA calling us up on the line talking about all these things. Now, at the moment, Lyle and Christopher have been talking about the nature of animal sacrifice and how it is representative. What we're going to do in just a few moments is we're going to drop you in into the main show on Faith FM. This is The Breakfast Show. We're going to switch you over in just a second. Hey, thanks for listening. It's been great joining you this morning. I hope you have a good one.